Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what's up now? Brother, what's up? This is a hey, big party, man. Yeah, brother, Good afternoon, good afternoon. How's everyone doing out there in internet land? This is another KD, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Gentlemen, how are we? We're doing just fine. The Fifth Ward Wildcat is doing just fine today. Doc, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. A little jet lag, you know, getting off my trip from uh, Quebec City, Canada after presenting a research paper uh, on HBCU's well, athletic director's leadership. It was good. Thank you. Say that one more time, sir. Damn. Impress the listeners one more time of who you are and where were you recently, I was sir? in Quebec City, Canada. Quebec City, Quebec, Canada, to make it uh, simple there. Up there in uh, speaking French, I was up there for the North American uh, Society of Sociology and Sport, where professors get together as well as students, master levels, and Ph.D. Uh, students present papers on research that they've done over the last year or plan to do over the next year. So I happened to do a research paper that talked about athletic directors' leadership capacity uh, based on social cognitive learning theory uh, in regards to leading HBCU programs. And so I had a lot of leader people in the field of leadership, including uh, Dr. Billy Hawkins out of Georgia, uh, Dr. Fritz out of Tennessee, uh, Carter out of uh, Texas A&M. She's uh, very significant, particularly with women's studies in athletics, sociology, often dealing with African-Americans. So a lot of uh, of my peers in the uh, sports, sociology and sports management theory were there. And in the session that I did, a lot of my peers within the African-American uh, diaspora that study uh, the content if you would, theorization of uh, sport management, sociology, and those things uh, were in my session, and they were very happy with what I brought to the table in terms of my presentation. So that's always exciting to do that rush back um, so I could see the uh, basketball game between Texas Southern and Norfolk State that I know we'll get into a little later. In fact, let's get into it right now. Sure. Let's do that right now as uh, and listeners. Notice and give kudos to Doc. You don't have just some everyday person participating in our podcast. Willie Foo Foo type person. Thank you, Wildcat. Doc has credentials. Doc has letters after his name. Doc has papers. Has papers. And we are honored that he is part of these podcasts and to share his insight and knowledge with us. And we're going to talk about Thank you. The, the Norfolk State TSU men's basketball game Saturday afternoon slash evening over at the H&PE Arena, which I... Correct me if I'm wrong, sir. In your preseason poll, you had Norfolk State number one, TSU number two. Vice versa. Right, okay. I had TSU number one and uh, Norfolk State number two. And this was uh, really just a algorithm I did. Sure. Because the preseason poll that I bring out really comes out a little later uh, in terms of that. But since this was such a unique matchup that happened to have previous champions of the MEAC, which is the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, which houses the HBCU Division One programs out of the East Coast along that Atlantic Seaboard. And some people may be familiar with programs such as Howard, Florida A&M, North Carolina A&T, Morgan State, 
with Todd Bozeman over there that went to the tournament a couple of years ago. Obviously, this is the Norfolk, same Norfolk State Spartan team that had the 6'10 center that everybody really got excited about when they showed his enthusiasm after defeating Missouri in that huge uh, 15-2 seed upset and went undefeated in the conference last year. So they'll pick to do well. The, con- the coach has moved on to Florida, Florida Atlantic, I believe there. Uh, but they are still picked to be number one in the team. And obviously people know around this area what Texas Southern did in terms of winning the regular season but weren't able to go to the tournament. And Southern went and Southern gave it mighty scare to Gonzaga last year in terms of the tournament. So that's the type of quality teams that you're talking about playing over here. I wanted to be in the house for that matchup. And I'm, I'm glad you were. And get right to it. TSU won 95-83. Now, I'm just looking at box scores, so I don't know. But it looks like uh, the Tigers, there's only three lead changes in the game. TSU led 47-32 at halftime. Correct. Was the game close at all in the second half? Did it get- yeah, it got close. It actually got down to a nine-point spread with about 11 to go. So it got a little interesting there. A couple of timeouts. And you had uh, two big plays by the uh, Tigers to push the league back up to about 13, and then they kind of coasted back and forth from there uh, once it got to nine. One was a slam dunk put back, a steal off of that, and a big uh, shot um, by Eric, who ended up having um, 33 points points in his debut. Um, That is Eric Murray. Many people have heard about him, the center transfer, 16, 6'11 kid. Played well. He played inside, outside. Sometimes he does uh, become a uh, ball, will not necessarily come back out once he gets started, but uh, he is definitely a true talent. He went 12 of 23, 4 from 8 from the 3. I hadn't seen a big man in a while that can both play inside and outside, so you can see why he was top uh, when he came out of high school mm-hmm. with the skill set he had, which should be interesting doing non-conference to play to see if they can get any more wins and obviously win the conference play as you get in the tournament and trying to get that uh, seed to go to the NCAA tournament and see what you can and, do there. And notice, you said four for eight from three. The Tigers as a team were eight for 17 from three, so the fact you took eight threes indicates to me that those were designed. It wasn't like he just took himself to jack them up, you know, t- taking bad shots. So. No, they were designed. Some of them were designed in such a way where he would actually get a wide-open shot because the other team this early in the season didn't know his prowess as a three-point mm-hmm. shooter. So sometimes they would think in their mind that this is a bad shot for him or what they would say, yeah, give him that shot. And so not only was he taking shots that uh, he does well, but they were pretty much wide open shots uh, in the flow of the scheme of the offense. So you're exactly right. The other big-time player that people are not recognized, which is also a new player coming in, this, was Jose Rodriguez uh, that had 25 big-time points, uh, 14 at the half, while um, Murray had 17 and a half. Riley May had like 13 and a half, but he was only held to two in the second point. Uh, but you did have Malcolm Hawkins. And when I say uh, May, Riley, uh, that's from the Norfolk State Spartans, big-time guard that played well and ended up having 32 that kind of disappeared based on uh, Texas Southern having that lead. So it was a well-played game. Uh, Spartans shot 73% uh, from the free throw line, 44% from the field, 58%. Uh, for the Texas Southern, uh, almost 59%. Really, listen, listen to that. Listen to that, Wildcat. On the field. TSU, a, a men's college basketball team, shot almost 59% from the field in the basketball game. Yeah, yeah. That's Six. refreshing to hear yeah. and see. <coughs> and I'm you know, you can clear check. my throat because what I'm fixing to say is 
folks, that doesn't happen on a regular basis across the board. They, Even if they in, would have including with shot the better the foul line, they'd have scored 100 points. Correct. Yeah. They were 21 Easily. from 32, 21 from 32 from yeah. the foul line. Right. And uh, while there were some fouls in the game, it wasn't just overbunded. Uh, Which shocked me. And this, this, thank you for saying that, Doc, because taking the box score, the Tigers only played seven people. And that's one thing that Coach Davis I've heard say that they're not very deep. So if they get into foul trouble, they're going to have a problem. Right. They only had 14 fouls called them yesterday. Smart. Discipline basketball is right. what that's called. And he mixed up a well between man to man and zone. He, zone. Play, he, some zone. he played some zone. Spartans uh, did some good things in the zone, got some wide open shots, made some, missed some. So it kind of worked for their favor, and then they would get out. So they, they mixed it up enough to get a player some breath uh, because of the playing zone and not having depth. Uh, but you could tell the difference with the way uh, Norfolk State played. And they played early, and they got a little foul trouble late, but a lot of that because they were pressing. Uh, trying to make that comeback during that run, uh, so you play a little more aggressively. But I thought there would be a little more foul play. So I thought the coaches did a real good job making sure their players understood the new rules. So it wasn't like the referees uh, do it. The crowd uh, was a pretty nice crowd uh, in terms of no direct marketing by Texas Southern. You had a group of students uh, and alumni that kind of went through the Internet and did some social media and did a good job, just had under 2,000 fans. And for a non-conference game with no direct marketing, that was actually a significant uh, a point of reference, if you would excuse me. There. That was scheduled a week ago. That was scheduled a week ago. And the students that came were really into the game. They have this new little thing they do now here uh, on the file outs. Uh, go sit down and they play a little music and they really get into that. And so it's funny. Yeah, they're actually watching the game much more than you see sometimes students, particularly at maybe uh, – mid-major programs or low-major programs uh, where the players are not quite as marketed as well, as you can see, or hyped as well, I guess I should say, at that level. And so they get in the game, so they start looking at these fouls and three and four, so they really get to get into it. And they'll say, four, four. So they can't wait to that fifth foul they got in there. They did get a little maybe too hyped where and that was they a, had to get a warning for a text. I so. followed somebody on Twitter, a TSU fan. Alum, I'm not sure I meet this person, but they were counting the number of folks, the folks say who had four fouls, prepping with their go sit down tweets. They were yeah, ready, yeah, they were ready for all that. So yeah, big, it's a big deal. So they have to find a way to manage it, but at the same way, don't kill the spirit because the students have got in the game, and the more you can do, that hopefully the better hype you can get. Uh, but it really makes that Southern game interesting. I'm seriously thinking about getting down there for the Southern game uh, later in the year. Uh, with the team because I think it's a big big time matchup, but the first one is here. Uh, so if you're in the area, you need to plan to make the Southern Texas Southern game. Remember last year, they were neck and neck for winning the regular season. Uh, Texas Southern got payback on Southern last year and ended up winning the regular season by a game differential in terms of win loss column. But then Southern got to go to the tournament because Texas Southern won they too eligible with the APR issues, and so Southern went over there and did it. So coming into the season, those big matchups, the Prairie View matchup should be pretty interesting in terms of what they have coming back and what they're trying to do. So there should be some good games to watch over here. Look for this team to put up points if you like high scoring, like you talked about. So very interesting matchups. And you look at the rebounding uh, total. Uh, they get it done. Assists and steals uh, were out off. Yeah, 21 assists on 33 buckets. So that's a very good ratio. Exactly. Um, Only two steals there. 
only six turnovers. So as Watkins touched on discipline ball, Ray Penn for the Tigers had ten assists. He's so, very strong uh, in terms of that ball. Uh, he's true, and he knows how to get people in the right position to make plays. So if anyone has listened to our podcast in the last few months, we have been touting the Tigers for a while, and they come out and back up our our praise for them with the ninety five eighty three win over Norfolk State. They play Wiley College on Monday at two o'clock in, inside H P E. You know, so improve the two and zero. We're gonna keep talking hoops. Keep talking TSU. Put on the women's side. There you go. Because we're gonna get to my Cougars in a second. But go talk about TSU Lady Tigers. Started to play Friday morning slash afternoon in Tulsa. Came up with a big uh, win, eighty eight eighty over Tulsa at the name program, the Tulsa Gold Hurricane. Um, they've turned things around there, and for Coach Janetta Hayes Perry, her debut head coach at TSU to later later Tigers to an 88-80 win road win to start the season is very impressive. And I want to say this: we touched on this last podcast about women's basketball shooting percentages and made max out of 40 percent from the field. Lady Tigers shot 50 percent from the field, including 50 percent from the three-point line. And 83% from the foul line in the 88-80 Repeat that. We're doing a lot of repeating today. But 50% from the field, 50% from three-point line, and 83% from the foul line. Yeah, led at halftime as well. Very solid win from start to beginning. Freshman got in the game, made some big plays, scored a lot of the points there. So, solid win. And they they played nine plays. I don't think she only has nine plays right now until right. transfers and helps it. Her full team will be here on uh, December for a quote unquote spring semester. But but it's a good win for TSU, and I'm encouraging Rice alums, Rice people who know Janetta, Coach Perry for a while. TSU goes to Rice Monday, November 11th, Veterans Day, 7 p.m. to the Fieldhouse. I'm looking forward to uh, the game. I've been over to Rice in, since last season. And we're going to tie it all in because Rice had a big win on Friday. College basketball started on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rice Owls defeated Prairie View on the hill. Big, big win. I believe it was 77-63, something like that. That was it, 77-63. That's and cool. Jessica, 42 Jessica to 25 at half, so got oh, off yeah. to a hot start. Oh, Jessica Custer had, I think, 33-15. and 15. For the Owls, she she is the real deal. We said that for a while now. Uh, that's the first the first win for them up on the hill too since they started that series. Probably so. Yeah, it is. They uh, they lost, lost the last, last one. There. Yeah, and that was the first game that they played down there. And um, they even the series. Jessica Custer was All Conference the USA Player of the Year last year. She's first team this year. Thirty three and fifteen double double for her. She's moving up the right side scoring ranks. Coach Greg Williams said to Wildcat myself at Conference USA Media Day that if she, if she continues and gets better this year, she could finish Rice as the greatest player in the history of Rice women's basketball. That's all right. So uh, and she is one of only two players in the last three years. Three years in a row, average double double. That, that average double double. And the other player Crazy. is also in Conference USA now. Just Tennessee. moved in. Yes, middle, that's Ebony Rowe from Middle Tennessee. And she can play. Okay. And she is Ebony Rowe is is uh has like a three point eight GPA. She's an engineering major, so she can hoop. And she, she could have easily gone to right and bright. Yes. And that would have really been some help. 
And so uh, yes, I'm looking forward to them. Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee played Tennessee Lady Vols on Friday and battled Lady Vols, led, led Lady Vols at halftime. Okay. But uh, I think lost by nine points uh, down the stretch to them. And Middle Tennessee stayed with a pick to win Conference USA. You some so, good framework there. That's good. So we, we're all tied in together. Uh, last podcast I said in my off top of my head ranking the area schools. I had Prairie View 1, TSU 2, Rice 3, Cougars 4, HBU 5. After this, we'll see tomorrow for sure. TSU beats Rice, TSU beats be ranked number 1 in, in the in the uh, Houston area. Right. Um, let's talk. I'm gonna talk about my Cougars women's team and the fellas right now. Women's team surprised me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. They lost. So I assume they would to Mississippi State on Friday. But it was where they lost. They played hard. The final score is 76-68. They can't shoot, as we touched on, and their uh loss to expression loss to uh Lubbock Christian, uh 80-73. They shot 29 percent in that game. Game against Mississippi State, they shot about the same, twenty-two percent. They they just they cannot make shots from the field. They they just can't. But they got forty points from the bench. Uh, Marissa Aston, and then sophomores Jessica Palmer from the mark, and High Towers Tyler Gilbert came off the bench combined for forty points. Forty of the team, sixty-eight points. So they played well. Starters got in foul trouble. There was a lot of fouls called in this game on Friday. There was a whole bunch of fouls. There's tweets, okay. tweets, tweets all over the place. But they didn't quit. They fought through it. Coach Buchanan interviewed him, and the game article is on my website, HoustonRoundBarView.com. Go into my game article section now on the menu. You can pull it down. Women Hoops categories up there. Talked about it. They played zone, and it affected Mississippi State. So the foul trouble and zone defense helped them get back in the game. They trailed 16-3 early in the game, and by halftime they were down by two. So they were able to just walk down the deficit. But in the end, they missed free throws in the second half. I mean, this couldn't make shots. But they played much better than I thought they would. And uh, kudos to Dominique Dillingham, Mississippi State. She's a freshman from Klein Collins. She played. A lot of people came from Houston area came to Hall Finals to watch her play, support her. She did her thing. She came. She does what she does. You ever saw her play in high school, AAU ball? She's right. scrappy. Makes outside shots, takes charges. Do a lot of control sometimes. All that was just played in ball games. She did all that stuff. She scored. Uh, she played well with her well. In her career at Mississippi State, but it was a tough loss for the Cougars. But it was decent. I thought they get just blasted off the floor, which may happen on the 17th of November when Texas A&M comes to Hawthorne Pavilion. But Mississippi State is coached by Vic Schaefer, a former assistant coach at the Aggies. His whole coaching staff is Aggie players, former Aggies, former Aggie coaches. So he is building Mississippi State into the in the model of Texas A&M. So. And so the oh, it works. And, and Coach Saber said after the game that he's got the my top 20 recruiting class coming in. Oh. So he's doing big things. He's working on another uh, Solid class. person that if he gets her to commit, the class will move, up, move oh. him from 18 to top 10. Oh. So that shows you how things are going for, for him. So they played well, surprisingly. But uh, we'll see how things go. That game coming up this week. We'll touch on that as well. Now the fellas. The men played Texas State. Final score is 76-70. And I'm sure some alums weren't happy about it. was only, I only beat Texas State by six points. That wasn't, that's not good at all. That's gloom and doom. Texas State is a good basketball team. And I'm proud to say they have an Caven Tilder Gilberry on their squad, a freshman from this area. 
a Guy V. Lewis Ward top 10 finalist. Let me plug that in that right there since I'm a member of the Guy V. Lewis Basketball Committee. He played well in the ball game. Lots of fouls called in this game. Daniel House in the first half went to the line, I think, 12 times. Russell calling hand touches, hand checks all over throughout the first half. And I, I don't know what happened at halftime. Second half, they didn't call as many fouls. Game had more of a flow and rhythm. Cougars won the game 76 to 70. Uh, Tayshawn Thomas did well in the second half. House scored, did, carried the load in the first half. Tayshawn carried the load in the second half with the Cougars. Daniel House hit a three point shot to give the Cougars a six point lead in the final margin of victory in the last 20 seconds to ice the game. It was a well-played game, really was. The two good teams, you could tell the two good teams playing. L.J. Rose, point guard, coach Dickey for the Cougars, split time up. He went in like four-minute segments for point guard between L.J. Rose and T.M. Womack. They did a decent job running the offense. They still have a few things to work on. Why can't we touch on this? Uh, Dan Rad, Chicken Knowles, still isn't eligible from the NCAA. He did not play in the game. He didn't. He set out the exhibition game. Uh, What's the uh, status? I haven't heard the status. Nothing changed. He was at the game, wearing his backpack, but he cannot dress with the team, he can't wear a uniform. It's something uh, some discrepancy. Um I think he practiced one time one practice I saw he was on the floor. That was like three weeks ago though. Uh says question about his transcript or his class he he took years in high school and or over the University of Houston downtown. So the NCAA has not ruled him eligible yet, so clearing the house one person said that nothing to be playing with. One person told him that he's not gonna play this year. So we'll see. Other person said we'll, see, we'll have to wait and see. But Dan Rad, Chicken Knowles, who's six nine, versatile, another ball handler, he, he gives the Cougs another creator, a distributor, and that's what they're really lacking. They need an extra person because Joseph Young, who transferred to Oregon, and scored twenty four points in Oregon's victory over Georgetown. Cougars need somebody like that. They're missing him, but Joseph is gone, so they haven't replaced that. Question. Yes, sir. Has it been discussed as uh to the point to where not just giving up? Not not giving up on the on the uh, I'm trying to get that resolved, but moving him to a uh, JUCO just to get him out on the floor and, get, and keep playing. Had, I don't know. That's a good, good question. I don't know. I think the coaches are hoping that they can, that he'll be eligible to play this year, but I, I don't know. Yeah, most coaches uh, they lean to the fact that they would rather hold him around and not let him go, and then they always have this this very hope that somehow the NCAA will look what they need to be doing. His actual transfer here from Marshall that is having a similar uh, problems in terms of eligibility uh, for a immediate release that they're trying to get him to play, be able to play this year. Everything else is good, but he needs to sit out a year. So it's likely that they won't get that waiver for immediate playing time. So we'll see how it goes, but U of H women play Northwestern State on the 13th. That's a road game. Road game. So I would not be shocked if they lose. The Cougar men are at, at Texas Pan American on Monday, the 11th at 7 p.m. I touched on Rice. Women playing hosting Texas Southern on Monday. The Rice men won their, their uh, season opener versus St. Thomas, 69-60. Now, I'm not sure what's the difference between why Rice's win over St. Thomas counts as a regular season win and the Cougars win over St. Thomas counts as an exhibition win. But anyway, the Owls men, next game is home Tuesday. Versus Southeast Louisiana, 7 p.m. tip off. Don't forget about HBU. Women de- open their season with a one, a move to 1 0 with a 72 60 wins at home versus uh, Texas Arlington. The fellas lost on the road to Coach Tubby Smith and Texas Tech. 
76-61. They host Crowley's Ridge on Monday at 7 p.m. Whereas the Huskies' next game, lady, next game will be versus TSU at HP on the 14th. So we'll see how everything uh, goes about that. Prairie View women, God bless them. The next game will be at Texas A&M. At Texas A&M, they're going to lose. <laughs> but you you take that, though. You yeah, you, you yeah. go up the road. Anytime you get a game against a, a, uh, an opponent that would challenge you, you take that, especially <laughs> when it's close. You know, that's why the game with Baylor is good, you know, it's, uh, it's good, and the game with, with A&M is good. You, you take those shots. And even a game with, with, with UT. Sure. Prairie View men lost on Friday on the road to Mississippi State, 71-56. The next game will be on the Hill Monday versus Shrana University. Shrana University? University or Shrana College? Shrana College. College. That's I thought, too, but the main yeah. story had university. So. Well, and that's, and that's because they kept the college <laughs> – because they moved up from from JUCO, that was a team that was in the uh, old uh, uh, conference with uh, San Jack and Wharton and those teams and, and Lee College uh, back in the day. That's how far along it's been since I've been out on the floor. Okay, but, and real quick, we'll talk about the Rockets in a second. <clears throat> but get these football scores. Get the football scores. Then we're going to football mode for a few moments. But first things first, as always. We are still looking for, for our sponsors of the podcast. Get in touch with each each one of us. My website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R-Review. Facebook as well. <clears throat> Instagram, HoustonRoundBarReview. And I'm picking up followers there. Posting pictures of rockets, cougars, pow dancers. <clears throat> Not ashamed to say that, pow dancers. Um, YouTube channel is HoustonRoundBarReview. Get a lot of hits on uh, the views of Kevin McHale's post-game press conferences. But, Doc, how can folks find you, sir? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, as well as Instagram. People watch me this week. I tried to get some stuff out there with the game. Also, part of my trip to Quebec City. We could kind of see where we're going on. So, I tried to be a, more available on that. So, we'll continue to get that done. That handle is Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. If you want to see elements through the lens of HBCU sports, you know, I'm very interested in making sure I get that information out there. Like a uh, big time win by Hampton is over uh, William and Mary. Just looking at it in terms of a uh, basketball lens, uh, they won 77 to 69. So that was the other HBCU with the Division One win this weekend. Um, also, you can find me on uh, Odadon.com. That's www.onnidan.com. That's where the polls are released uh, on Monday for basketball season. You'll start it. See it move to Tuesday, and that's mid-major and major division. Major divisions are Division One institution playing football at the FCS level, as well as the mid-major or NCAA Division Two and NAIA Division One programs. So you can see the diversification uh, in terms of those things. Also, follow me on TSPNSports.com. In terms of the football season, as we start to close out on that, and we'll give you a little preview of what took place, some big-time wins, big-time losses this past weekend. And you can see that on the College Sporting News where a preview comes out on Thursday. Email me directly, kcaville at thg-agency.com for any questions, research, things of that nature where you're interested in getting information, particularly on HBCUs, but in general as well. And Wildcat, how can folks find you, sir? You can find me online at AKSVDCSR, YouTube, Twitter, and blogger had a good day, had a good weekend 
Um, I'm giving out the, uh, the I'll be updating uh, interviews from the SWAC and the and Conference USA Women's Soccer Championships this past weekend. The uh, new ch champion this year has been crowned. Jackson State is the winner. They beat uh, uh, Alabama State 1-0 earlier today. Upset. Yes. But the key, though, to the whole weekend that I thought, well, what made my day was uh, uh, Prairie View beating uh, Mississippi, beating Valley uh, in the uh, opening in their opening round uh, this week and allowed Prairie View to, to make it to the semifinals on Friday. Which is big because usually the power in terms of many Olympic sports, particularly for soccer, obviously softball, we'll, we'll get in there later, but just give me an update, give you an idea, is usually in the Eastern Division with right. schools such as Mississippi Valley, Alabama State, and Jackson State versus those in the West. And having gone out to the tournament this weekend, um, I recognize why. They, it's more of, of a club sports uh, environment in the Eastern teams in the SWAC than it are in, in the Western and other than the Dallas area uh, where most of the kids are coming from. There are quite a few coming from here in the, in the Houston area, but not as many club, uh, not, uh, there aren't as many club teams available on the high school level that stay here in town and prefer to go to, to wherever they can find a scholarship. Where in the Dallas area, there's a lot more of an, of an environment toward uh, uh, soccer build-up programs, soccer club teams, from the, uh, the just like basketball and, and football, you know the, the little league they're playing from age six, seven, and eight, all the way up to high school level. And by that time, by the time they get to, I'd say the tenth grade in high school, they're already prepared to where they're going. They've made a decision where they're going to play their college careers at. That's very true, and I've seen that look. And it's a diversity uh, issue when you look at it like that. One thing that allows that to happen in the state of uh, Mississippi, particularly in Mississippi Valley. Uh, there are some diversity programs where uh, non-African-American students can get full scholarships uh, to go to those institutions where you don't have that in Texas. So you see a little more diversity on those teams out there. And like you said, they're club-level teams, and they often are club-level teams from around the country. Right. You'll see even Canadians uh, playing uh, on these teams, uh, both softball, as I said, uh, even some golf as well as, obviously, soccer that we're speaking about. So you'll see that mixture, which um, and just playing, in my opinion, some better coaching, a stronger True. commitment in the Eastern Division. And until you see that in the West, it looks like the East will continue to dominate uh, in terms of the Olympic sport, which is a change this year in football that has happened too, which is really a drastic change over the last seven, eight, nine, ten years in football where the power has shifted to the Eastern Division versus the Western Division. Speaking of the diversity, the coach at Alabama State, he said it's, it's taken him eight years to get to this point. And all he could think about after Friday night's win was a, his first group that took a chance and coming to a, a, a school and starting a program up. He said because most girls, they've already made the decision, you know, and things didn't work out like they wanted them to as far as their first choice. But a scholarship was available. Parents said, take tell the man to take the scholarship and let's go with let's it. See happens, and just right? see what happens. And now here, here he is, uh, the, the program at Alabama State, eight years down the road, and they're vying for a championship, and it looks good. Yeah, uh, as you said, and to give some context of that, Alabama State had clinched the regular season with a win over Jackson State 
three weeks ago in the regular season. So they were the number one seed coming into the tournament with Jackson, the number two seed. So that's why we said this was the upset because you had the number two seed beating the number one seed uh, where that number one seed had won uh, in the regular season. And that's a Friday night's game with Alabama State. Yeah, we're talking a lot of women's soccer. but And that's because I got involved in it this week. You know, it's, I got two nieces and all, and they got started. But the, and I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into the football. But right now, prevalent today, championships in Conference USA as Colorado College, who is the number one seed, and uh, North Texas will be playing at at two o'clock. Uh, to, well, now they started at one. I'm sorry, they started at one. They've been at it about an hour now. Uh, game tracker should be up and running. But uh, in the game against Preview and Alabama State, I saw why. They were as strong as they were this year. They keep a lot of pressure on, on the go, on the keep a lot. I remember earlier uh, in the season, uh, my compadre KG was talking about uh, you no know, shots on goal. It was a lot of shots on goal. Okay. It, and you know the defense we stayed up, but when pressure comes late in the second half, they got they were able to get it done. And they pull that pull it went out two uh, one. Preview gave it the old try. They just didn't have enough. Yeah. I wasn't laughing until I was talking about soccer. Really? I was laughing that young fella out cutting fantasy football <laughs> no, on no. Wednesday. You was, did. Wait a minute. Got Folks. three touchdowns today. <laughs> <laughs> That's Folks. why I'm laughing, shaking my head in disgust. Like, this this brother had done nothing, literally nothing, all, all year. year. Now he goes off. And had three touchdowns after I cut it. Well, I tell is, you, that's the look week, I've had what? all this year, week, man. This is week 10? Week 10. And, and folks, uh, boy, it, it, uh, unless boy, you are heavy into the fantasy he football. He two touchdowns coming into today. He has three. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from, my brother. I understand. Man, oh, man. But that's, I understand. That's <laughs> just like when I was out of town, I looked at the score talking about football and going from fantasy to, to college. I looked at Prairie View, and Prairie View was up 14-7. I was like, not bad, but uh, they got to do more. Uh, go take a bite out to eat. Uh, go eat some uh, escargot on pizza, snail. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, hey. Quebec City wanted to eat some indigenous food from the area. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I said, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out tasting the world food because uh, you never know where you get That's true. That's so true. I, I did that, and I looked back at the score. They get jumped on, and it's 50 to 35. I was like, what happened? And so with the loss, Southern automatically clinched the championship. So now uh, running back, if you would, Jackson State won this weekend, coming from behind or a tie game if Wood winning twenty six to twenty, and then a big Southern win at the end of the game after trailing twenty one to seven, if you would, in the third quarter came back and won on a field goal at the end of the game, basically winning thirty one twenty eight. So your two championship teams from the south, uh, from the Western Division will be Southern Jaguars winning the West, and from the East it'll be Jackson State. That was the inaugural championship game, which is interesting with this being the first year that it's moving here to Houston, Texas. With Remember, all ten bands playing in the first championship, they had announcement of Battle of the Bands, but only seven of them came up. They got a attendance of about 40-plus thousand, so it would be interesting. Prairie View continues to give up yards. They gave up 510 yards in that game. Uh, the biggest part in that game was, though, really with uh, quarterback, uh, coming back to play Jerry Lovelock, he threw four interceptions. And he was really wanting to leave it on the field, and he was looking as he was going to have a big game, but something that the uh, uh, Alcorn State did, and they usually 
play about six or seven defensive backs. So it looks like uh, they probably played some of that and camouflage what they were doing. And he had four interceptions. Smiley came in the game and actually threw one himself. So there was actually five interceptions in that game, uh, which obviously was the difference uh, with uh, Alcorn rushing for 245 yards, passing for 265. And then you get into the game with uh, Texas Southern to kind of round it off of what the Texas schools did. Yeah, Texas Southern losing the Valley, which a lot of people around here were disappointed around as a Valley. I said, well, Texas Southern is, is trying to move up. But Valley got it together. They were on a little slide. Uh, but they found a way to win this game 27-17. to They jumped out early, went up 20-10 to at halftime. Texas Southern scored a touchdown in the seventh to try to make it a closer game. But they uh, left there. But uh, really, the component of this game were turnovers. TSU had two turnovers and 10 penalties for 72 yards because they outgained uh, the Delta Devils 448 yards to 293, 116 on the ground to 42. Uh, but those penalties and those turnovers were pretty much the difference in that game as Valley found a way to get their second win. So now they're 2-8 and eight on the season, 2-6 and six in conference play, while Texas Southern falls to 2-8, and 2-7. And, and as some would say around here, Texas Southern Tigers mercifully season will end next week. Interestingly, they go out and play another MEAC team as well as they play Howard Bison, who got a big-time win this past weekend. So that should make things a little interesting as we start to close out the season for HBCU sports. And go ahead and talk about, give your poll, your top five. Definitely. Let's do the top five. If you want the entire top ten, you can go again to honordon.com and get the uh, top ten, TSPN Sports top ten. Or obviously, as you said, the college sporting news for the um, major division. Look at the top five big weekends at the mid-major level, and I'll kind of talk about those first as things change around. You had two semifinal championship games, it seemed like, because teams were playing to get into their respective conference championship games. That was the CIAA and the SIAC. So let's see what happened. At number five, you have the Lane Dragons. They defeated Benedict Tigers 48 to 7. They're open this week as they try to see if they'll get a playoff bid, which is undoubtedly, but they might get a run for the SIAC CIAA Pioneer Bowl uh, bowl game. And number four, you had a major upset. Tuskegee Golden Tigers, 8-2 and two on the season, lost to Miles Golden Bears, 41-36. to 36. Their season is open. Golden Tigers still have an upset shot at the playoffs, and they actually moved from playing Alabama State in the annual Turkey Day Classic, which is like a 100-year uh, tradition, so they can get in the playoffs. So they have an 8-2 overall record, so it'll be interesting to see where they get their bid. Um, the way they do it at the Division Two level, the top six teams in the regions get the bid, unless a team at number eight is one of the conference champions, then they would get the bid. So that's why it's a question of whether Tuskegee, they were ranked four going in there. So they'll fall some, but the question is whether they fall out of that top six position, which will be interesting to follow. Number three is the team that defeated them, Miles Golden Bears, who are playing excellent football, six and three on the season. Would be like seven and three, but one of the games got canceled because the bus caught on fire, if people remember that. Defeated Tuskegee Golden Tigers, 41 to 36. So the Miles Golden Bears will play for their second championship in the last three years. Uh, SIAC championship game is next week in Atlanta. Uh, they will be playing 
Albany State Golden Bears, Golden Rams, excuse me, uh, where the transfer, if you would, from Grandland State quarterback transfer. So he's been able to say that he beat their rival, Fort Valley State, 19-10, and will play for uh, SIC Championship. They are in the top 10 part of the poll. You can go and see where they're ranked. They're not in the top five, but did want to tell you who Miles Golden Bears will be playing this weekend. Which brings us to the CIAA, which are dominating in terms of the talent at the top. They have the number one and number two teams that will play for a championship. And check out the records. Virginia State Trojans, 9-1 on the season, defeated Virginia Union Panthers, their state rival, and beat them like you want to, 46-3, to let them know uh, that there's nothing to play with. They will play for a CIAA championship in Winston-Salem, North Carolina next weekend. It's actually a home stadium of the number one team, Winston-Salem State Rams. 9-1 and one on the season, all 11 first-place votes, 111 points. They defeated Fayetteville State Broncos 28-14 to 14 to qualify for the CIAA Championship. Virginia State out of the North Division and Winston-Salem State Rams out of the South Division. The Rams are going for their third consecutive championship in the CIAA as they dominated, but they will have a truly talented foe in the Trojans. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes down this week as we have the SIC Championship and the CIAA Championship. In this area, the only other team in the top 10 is Langston Lions out of Oklahoma, kind of in this super region, if you would, something to think about. So you want to see the top 10, go check out that. Now let's go to the big boys because there were some changes abound. A new number one team this weekend with a major upset. When I say major upset, you will see quickly here. We'll look at the top five. I will tell you that even with Prairie View's loss, they did find a way to stop 10 because a lot of teams at the bottom are struggling. They are making late season moves. So depending what happens next week, we'll probably get some changes in the top 10. So that will make things interesting. Southern moves up. They're just outside of the top five with their big-time win as they look to continue their winning ways this week. At number five, you have South Carolina State Bulldogs. They're out of the MEAC as we talked about these SWAC MEAC challenges. 7-3 on the season. They moved down from the third. They, they, even though they defeated Florida and and Rattlers 25-21, uh, they're versus Morgan State Bears next week as they kind of try to win. Now they just need one more loss by the Bethune-Cookman because of their major loss this weekend. So their faces are starting to smile as things change so quickly with the way the Wildcats were moving. They looked like they were dominating the division here. At number four, you have the Alcorn State Braves, 8-2 on the season. Man, that came out of nowhere, surprising everybody. Uh, the great white hope there, it seems like, is getting it done. Very solid coaching job. John Gibbs out of the Houston area is playing some good quarterback. Continues to get stronger week after week. So give credit to the Braves as they have a major turnaround uh, with a big win over Premier and Panthers as we're talking about putting up 50 points. They're at Jackson State Tigers. They cannot qualify for these a division after they had that upset over Alabama A&M. But they would love everything to get that ninth uh, win on the season, plus give their state rival, the Jackson State Tigers, the only loss in the conference race so far. So that game will be very interesting. The other little tidbit I'd like to share with you, last year was the first time that this game was brought back to Alcorn last year as a campus game because it was played as a classic in Jackson. It was a lot of temperament, particularly with fans in Jackson, thinking it was kind of insulting to bring that game to Alcorn. Why would they think that? I don't know, but that just lets you know how arrogant there you uh, go. That's some that of the word fans were thinking about. Or, <laughs> That's that word I was thinking about. <laughs> as other people say, how proudful, however you want to look at it. Uh, <laughs> I won't say one way or the other. Uh, as we start to close out, that's a big-time game I'll keep my eye on, uh, as it is in Jackson this year. 
At number three, you have Tennessee State Tigers, eight and three on the season. While they fell on hard times, I told you they'll probably bounce back. Austin P is struggling this season, hadn't won a game. But the big problem with the Tigers is the quarterback had his shoulder hurt three weeks ago against Jackson, and then they were playing probably the two toughest teams in OBC, with one of them being a top two, three team in the country, depending on what FCS polls you look at. They lost two of the games, losing their quarterback, Michael German, to a shoulder who's out. So a freshman came in to play. Well, he bounced back and finally uh, looked a little less than a freshman this weekend. Had a solid game against Austin P. So Tennessee State Tigers get back to their winning ways. They close out the season with Murray State Racers. Uh, 9-3, they're on the outside look out of the playoff bid with 20 teams. Uh, it's going to be tough. They might have a showing depending on what other teams, but they need that victory to even give themselves a chance, similar to the South Carolina State Bulldogs, if you would. And number two, you have the Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, 8-2. Five first-place votes. They do fall for number one with 100 points. They lost to Norfolk State Spartans, who were struggling on the season but has had their number of late. Norfolk State Spartans have number one in uh, Daytona, though. This is a home loss to really let you know how major upset they were rolling, just beating up on teams. But we told you last week they had a lot of penalties in this game. Didn't come out as focused. Norfolk State jumped on them, was leading with three straight touchdowns. And scores, if you would, two touchdowns and a field goal to go up in the game. A bonded effort by the Wildcats to try to come back, but just fell short as the uh, Spartans hold on to win the game 27-24, which drops Bethune-Cookman to number two. So who's the new number one? Surprising to some people, Jackson State Tigers, they just find a way to keep winning. Eight and two on the season, seven first place votes, dominating the SWAC, finding ways to win games uh, with a lot of scoring, finding game, ways to win games defensively, just finding a way to win games. Close games, they are winning. So you give them credit, they move up from number two, a new number one since number one previously, Bethune-Cookman lost. They defeated Alabama a and Bulldogs 26-20. to That was a road game. Bulldog team that always plays them hard, uh, just do not like each other. And again, as we say, they will host Alcorn State Braves to try to finish the regular season undefeated uh, in this new format of the SWAC where you play all nine teams. If you remember when Prairie View won their championship run in 2009, they did go undefeated, but at that time you were only playing seven teams in the conference. And while they played one of the teams in a non-conference way, if you would, they did not play Jackson State that year. So Jackson State has a chance to do something that hasn't been done in the SWAC in terms of going undefeated in terms of conference play. Should be interesting to continue to watch what goes on in the top five. And that will do it for week number 11 in Dr. Ville's HBC Major Division uh, top five power ranking of the top ten polls, both mid-major and major. Well, let me give you what's going on, what happened this past weekend for the local folks here in town. First, I'm going to start with uh, HBU, uh, who will become a member in the Southland Conference on next year. They lost their uh, inaugural season finale to Texas A&M Commerce, 55-21. HBU finishes the season 3-4. and four. TAMU Commerce is 7-3. and three. They still got games in all the, the, the uh, uh, play out. HBU restarts with a full slate in FCS ba- uh, football on September the 13th on the road in, in Greeley, Colorado. I, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Right. Yep. Uh, at Northern Colorado. And it'll be a full slate of 12, 13 games, however many games and all, but they'll become a full-fledged member. It's another on 12 next- game season that they're eligible to play, so they'll play at least right. 12. I mean 11, but maybe 12. Uh, so they had a good. They worked out some kinks. They now, you know, a lot of growth in coaching staff, players, campus. Recruiting will be different this year. 
because they'll be filling holes, be plugging in, find out what they need, what they don't need, and go with depth. That's that was pretty our, our main problem this year. Uh, they didn't have a lot of depth, so teams that were experienced, they, that's why they got rolled over. Now going to the big boys, FBS football. Well, I like to add that before you go to the big boys, because it'll be interesting to see what HBCU does to their schedule. And the other team that is joining the Southland, which is the Abilene Christian Chris, Wildcats, right. as well as Incarnate Word. But the reason I bring up the Abilene Christian Wildcats because Prairie View plays them next week uh, in a home game uh, before they finish out the season against the Pine Bluff. Both teams are five and five going in the game, so that's just an interesting matchup to talk about regionally in this area of what's taking place next week. FBS. Thank you, Don. Now I'll get to the big boys. All right, big boys. Conference USA this past that weekend. Big boys. Damn. Conference USA ain't no big boys. Well, <laughs> I, <not laughs> big boys. Big boys is FBS football. I'm Bigger big, boys. Big, he right. They not the big boys. The big no, boys. Yes. the relevant the, the relevancy of all of college I sports. With you. Conference uh, USA. Come on. The relevancy of on. all college FBS football <laughs> is the last thing I'm going to talk about because it's going to be at length. Stop. Go is ahead. that okay? Go ahead, Mr. All right. Conference USA. Nah. <laughs> Conference USA. This past weekend, the West got got uh, may have been resolved. Um, UTSA beat Tulane 10, uh, 10-7. And they, the Tulane still has that last game of the year with Rice. North Texas beat UTEP 41-7. Right now they hold their, their uh, bowl situation and the West Division in their hands to finish out. Tulsa lost to East Carolina 58-24. Tulsa continues to go down this, this, this downward slope. Hoping they can correct it before they move over into the act on next season. Speaking of the act, it was a heartbreaker for the Cougars this past week. Damn sure it was. <laughs> there you go. Make your comment. Damn sure it was a heartbreaker. Uh, they lost to UCF on the road, national TV, 1914. Was in that game. National TV. I see. That's what big boys do. Play on ESPN2. That's big boy football. That, that's big boy football. That's true. That is big boy football. Right. When you play on the network in the middle of the, year, middle of the week, you got it going on. You got on. something going on. You got it going on. They played better than I thought they would, honestly. They really did. I, I'm happy about that. Now we get to the, the bad part of the act. Memphis, Temple, and UConn. Looks like Memphis will be the team that won't, uh, that, that will get a game, uh, that will have a win in, comp, in, uh, in the act this season. UConn will have to wait until basketball season starts to get another, uh, get a win. Well, let's start it. That's no, I'm, I'm talking about conflict. When beatdowns and I was starting to happen. They come to Houston on New Year's Eve, so. <laughs> you know, and folks, I'm still, I'm going to say this until that day happens, until they show up in the, in the Hall Fans. Come watch a beatdown and come watch some real basketball on both offensively, defensively, and what it means to play mental and physical as a, a coach, uh, 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 Brown says all the time, the right way. Oh, yeah. Coach Brown says play, play the game the right way. Right way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati won this weekend 28-25 over SMU. Louisville crushed UConn 31-10. And now, the college football conference of the year, the SEC. Relevancy in all of college football, it seems like there's nobody outside that conference that can compare to what they do inside their conference. When Vanderbilt rises up and beats Florida like they beat them this past weekend, 34-17, Bus Champ is on the clock. And I'm talking about this year. 
some things were were were, were mentioned he after the game. He only he only has one chance to save his job, and that's Florida if State. They somehow beat Florida State. That and, is the only way he will save his job. That's not gonna happen. I doubt it seriously. That's because Seminoles on a mission to get to the championship, championship game. There you go. Against so, Alabama. Against Alabama. So, barring some miracle, he is gone, Florida. Now, speaking of that, Auburn beat Tennessee 20, uh, 55 It is in 23. the game. It is in the swamp. It would have to oh, be. Yeah. You know, that may, it, that may help, but it's it, like it no nope. ships passing tonight <laughs> right now. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they're not they're not playing well. I think the conference Correct. is shaking. Backup quarterback and the Knowles are just flying right. high. They've been looking very solid. They are you know, a very it, strong it, team. It, it, and as much as we talk about Alabama going for three in a row, that's the other team. The other the, the, yeah, that's the, the other teams that, that are undefeated are playing very solid. Don't want to leave out Baylor. They had a huge win over Oklahoma. But it's not well, the same yeah. Oklahoma team that we're looking at. But I don't want to take anything against Baylor, but. They're not a traditional power, no, so when it comes no. down to the voters, they're going to have a hard chance. Plus, they play in a conference that does not have a championship game, so those things are going to find reasons right. to leave them out of the picture unless things just fall apart. So um, Florida State is looking very solid, and not they're doing it on both sides of the ball, people. Right, that's true. Uh, they have some of the best cornerbacks that are out there. They can leave on the island, uh, which you would have to do if you're going to play an Alabama team because you're going to have to stop that run. Well, you can do that when you can leave two people on the island because now you can stuff that line. Uh, plus, you have a big uh, player, and um, as we seen last last week, quarterback Craig, as he continues to play his way into a Heisman just based on how many wins. Jameis Winston got. played a half yesterday against Wake Forest. First half he was done. Yeah, that's they all were, he had. They were, they were up forty-two to three at halftime. They had more they interceptions. Had, at one time, they had more interceptions. Then the Wake Forest had, had completions. It ended up being 7-6. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting about that team, the folks that are really not paying a whole lot to, is that special teams. They blocking punts. They blocking yeah, field goals. They, they they crushing people. And they, they're getting they, – And what I, they're getting better week yeah. to week. Uh, Staying healthy. Yeah. Like it's, and it, it, I'm going to tell you, folks, special teams, when they come up big in games for you, that can resolve a lot of issues in all with your defense. Right. Now, there's another team that I want to throw out there. We hadn't had a chance to do a lot of this. Uh, Stanford. I like Stanford. That loss is going to kill them, and I think it's going to obviously not allow them to play for a championship. But that's another team that is solid out there, very good team that I think is championship worthy. Unfortunately, they're a year before the 14 playoff because uh, they might be able to make a run. But I don't think they're going to get a shot, obviously, with Ohio State being undefeated right. likely. Florida State, we have to give Ohio State. You're talking about a team, the Big Ten, does look weak. Yes, uh, that's true, and that's, that's true, my But you're talking about a team that's fit, possibly going to go to a conference two years in a row undefeated, yep. and they may not play for a championship. Yep. And, <laughs> and you know what? That's, that's, that's how that, we are in college football. That's, that's how it is. That's where, one. folks, that's where we are because <laughs> it, it's not Think about Coach Myers' fault that he rolled into that conference and all of a sudden the conference just went down as far as competitiveness, you know, overall, to, at least uh, for the top uh, well, top five or six. The Big Ten 16. has been weak for a few years because right. they're not they're not as as athletic as right. the teams in the South and even teams in the West. They're just not on that same level of athleticism. That's right. Absolutely. And with Urban Myers being a, at Ohio State, it's up to the rest of the team in the conference to raise the level of athleticism. Right. Well, they don't get dusted as long as he's there. Right. Well, see, and that, until you get to this fourteen playoff. They won't even get a shot. 
that's the thing that I think is tragic from that standpoint. And, you know, I have some concerns with the 14 playoff in terms right. of how long these players are going to play and them not getting any financial component of it. But that's really a whole different discussion. But I'm just saying looking at the fact that right. um, it's very conceivable uh, that, that they could be out of the they're going to be out of the playoff, I mean, out of the picture playing for a national championship. And whether you talk about the schedule or whatever, I mean, we can all deal with that. The fact is, is the way this thing is figured out. Right. They just not gonna be able to do it. And they they could go undefeated, go undefeated three years in a row, and not have a championship. Not have a and not have a shot. Be be the Rose Bowl champion and not have a championship. Not have a national championship. And on yesterday, twenty some twenty two victories. Question: (laughs) Will neither Manziel or Coach Sumlin be at AM next season? You know Manziel's gone. Manziel's gone. If uh, Coach Sumlin was smart. Um, just the way this business is and how tough the SEC is. And uh, I think you have to seriously look at moving on, uh, particularly if USC falls. Um, you're talking about a program history-wise that you uh equivalent to Alabama, a Texas, in that nature. Obviously, not to slight the Aggies. You know, I That's true. One way to left. But, but at a private where school, these things are different. Yes, private school things are different. Uh, he pretty much have the whole West Coast to himself. He have to fight UCLA, which is on the move up. Obviously, but, you have what Oregon is doing up there. Stanford is solid, uh, but uh, USC, uh, in terms of the offense, he does. If he can get some defensive components out there, that is a very solid program. And again, as a private school, you get some luxuries you just don't have in a public institute. No footballs like Texas, but and, and I would and, say you have to go. And to, and to to that point. For people that keep asking me, what do I mean about when I keep saying, mentioning private school and USC? Yes, it's in the neighborhood, but that is a private institution. Am I correct, gentlemen? You are correct. Yes. You know, most uh, people highly don't. Highly elite private institution. And most people don't don't know that. Right. You know, and I, and I they find, get so much right. publicity. And, and because of where they are, they're located directly. I mean, they literally are in the neighborhood. It ain't You know, it's, it, it, it just I is mean, what in it Compton, is. Yeah, that's, that, that's right, Compton. Compton. But. Being that it's May, if they make that phone call, you got to listen. And to the Aggies that I've ran into at, at basketball, at uh, at the Rocket Games here lately, you won't be able to pony up. You, no, you, I, 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 I doubt that. I don't think – I think they can match and succeed but, anything that they want in terms of USC dollars. I don't think that will be the issue. I think the issue in terms of Sumlin, in my opinion, the way I would look at it is – which one of those positions, as a coach, the ultimate goal is to win a championship? Because that starts to separate you from your peers and puts you in a different language. And so my question for him, if I'm thinking the way most coaches would look at it, which place would give me a better position to win championships uh, for him? Uh, they'll start talking about quality of life. But you're talking about L.A. versus College Station. Those are some issues that, you know, people may look at in terms of that. Also, you look at the fact in California right now, there's no NFL team. So USC is a NFL team. Now, that can be some negative components about that, but being the top dog, those are things you start looking at. So money in terms of dollars, I won't. I would suggest that A&M, uh, Texas, Alabama, those schools can pretty much pony up and do that. But the question becomes similar as you're asking with saving, leaving from Alabama to Texas. Mm-hmm. They can match the money. The question is, is does he want to make a statement being win his third, quote-unquote, national championship 
at a third school would push them in territory that nobody has done. So you start looking at little intangible things like that when you start talking about coaches moving from one big-time program to another program, not necessarily just dollars in my opinion. Let's talk Rockets as we wind down this KG Fifth Wildcast. My question coming up podcast. now. My question in that in that deal is starting to come up now, and I'm going to leave it like that, and then I'm going to just let you run with. with what question is that, you know, sir? The, the question of the trade that a free agency signing is starting to come up now. Two games in a row, he wasn't able to close out. Neither was the team at, at, at overall when they needed to, and to see the frustration on Coach McHale's face in both of those games as they ended. Uh, was not good. Oh, it's, Dwight I know it's early, Dwight but Howard but, missed but, free throws. He's done it his whole, his whole career, so that, that's not a surprise. Rockets started out the week Monday getting blasted by the Clippers, one thirty-seven to one eighteen. When you score one hundred eighteen points and still lose by nineteen points, that's a problem. Punch yeah. like, then following that, they bounce back <laughs> Tuesday. I'm not going to see. With a road win of 116-101 at Portland. So they split their that part of the road trip after beating Utah. We talked about Utah's win. Going over Utah in the last podcast. Thursday night. Thursday night was a bad loss of the week. Or you can say, well, KG, how can you say that after they gave 137 to the Clippers? Because they lost to the Kobe-less Lakers in town in front of an, another announced sellout of people who bought seats and didn't show up, apparently. Let that go. Did the same thing Saturday night as well, even less. But they missed free throws. They allowed Steve Blake to get freed up off a double pick. Dwight Howard was late stepping out on it. Steve Blake splashing a three with 1.9 seconds left. And then Patrick Beverly missed a heave at the buzzer to lose to the Lakers 99-98. After the game, that was a loss that bothered him more than anything. Senator Parsons talked about it as a bad loss. Things Elite teams. Okay, don't lose games like this. It comes back to Huntsville trying to fight for a top seed, top four spot in the playoffs. He's, all those things are correct. Combined with the fact that Pau Gasol was one for ten from the field. So they lost to the Kobe-less Lakers. Pau Gasol barely showed up. It's, it's a horrible loss. Saturday, gets the Clippers, leading 71-60 in the third quarter after another slow start. First, the Clippers in the first quarter down 18-8. to Then they subbed in, got rid of Sat down Isaac and Beverly and inserted uh, Jeremy Lane and Omri Caspi. Caspi at the four. Offense got much better. But they led by 11 points, five minutes left in the third quarter. Did not, did not score a point the rest of the third quarter. Mm. Clippers went on, on a 13-0 to zero walk, as I called it. I called it a walk, not run. If you follow me on Twitter at THEHR Review because it took five minutes to score those 13 points. That's a long the time. First that's, that's a long, long that's first, a long time in the first pro, six a pro points game. of that were took like three minutes to score those first six points. That's so long. that's basically taking your time and just saying, it was, I don't care what you do, I'm gonna just you know, was get my shooting, set up my plays and calls, just get it done. Both teams were struggling a little bit. Thank you, sir. That's I had it retweeted a few times from other folks like it as well. So they probably I, didn't I understand what you were talking about. That's uh, why. Yeah, that's I LA Clipper Nation. Favorite some of my tweets last night from the game. He retweeted some of my tweets. So I got people following me. I don't even know who they are. That's Clipper good. fans, so that's a good thing. You're doing your thing. <laughs> you know, Clippers started the fourth quarter with five straight points. So it ended up being an 18-0 run that took seven minutes before Dwight Howard scored to put back in the Rockets' drought. Um, Rockets got close, I think, within five, fourth quarter. But the game ended up losing about 13 points. James Harden... Bothered by his foot. 
he said it was he said it bothered him. It's sipping up on him in the fourth quarter. My point is, if it bothered you so much, it impacted your play. Why are you playing? But after the game, Kevin Kelly talked about how he was more disappointed in his players hanging their heads down when things weren't going their way. They got frustrated at some fouls not being called in their favor, some shots being missed, or some shots being made over them. This game seven, play through it. Well, the, me, as, as a heck, as a player, he was one of those hard-nosed guys from the, from the Celtics that, <coughs> along with Bird and and the Chief, you know, those guys would just play through adversity every possession. They wouldn't well, stop it. Dwight Howard style, as we've seen. You know, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> he just <laughs> speaking of the devil, and there he is. He just re, just retweet. And he didn't shoot. He didn't shoot very well. But he definitely did a good job defending Chris Paul for the most part. But Chris Paul ends up with, I think, 14 to 13, despite the fact that Miller did a good job de- playing defense. But the Rockets are in a little funk, 4 and 3 to start the year. They host Toronto on Monday night. That should be a win. Should be. If they lose to Toronto, then we can talk about 4 and 4. I think it's maybe a little bit of a problem. Well, Toronto but it's, won bitter, it's bitter of an irony. The Rockets' big men. Twin Towers tandem struggles in the first quarter, but they play better in the third quarter. So I don't know what's, what's different while the team seems to function better in the third as opposed to the first. Thoughts? Um, <laughs> could be adjustment. Could be halftime adjustment either on that. Players' mental capabilities could be an uh, adjustment on coaches' style of what plays they're setting up for, for both of them to be out on the floor at that time. You know, looking at the de- looking at the game, looking at the defense, um, they probably you know com- coming out the uh, probably the first. I always look at the first four minutes of the second half because that decides who is going, who's ready to at least close, getting uh, and keeping the game close. Third quarter, going into the fourth, and we'll probably end up finishing that game. Those five that out on the floor at that period, but for whatever reason. This group hadn't figured it all out as a either as a, at the guard spot, all three guards, uh, the four and the five to start. I don't know what it is about that particular group that's starting. It may be a change down the road, but right now, Coach Mikel seems to me he wants that to to be his group, you know, starting the game because he wants to he wants. It's almost like with Bill Fitz. He wants to force them into a situation where those guys have to adjust on their own and he not to have to call, be forced to call a timeout. Because the style that, he's, it, that that's, I'm seeing is almost to that point to where Coach, McK- uh, uh, Coach Finch, Fitz, that's the way he, that was his coaching style. I'm put a five out there to start. I want that five to work for at least four to six minutes at least. And then start making changes. But I'm going looking for the TV timeout to make that change, not be forced to call a timeout in the middle of that situation in order to force changes on everybody. I need you to you five to mentally fight through. That could be what's where, where the problem is. It's not that those guys are not ready to play, it's just mentally they don't understand what they you know what the five of them need to do to start a game. I think when you look at it from the standpoint with the limited uh, sample size in terms of game, 
I think it's just a pure anomaly of the numbers that it just happens to look this way this early in the season that they're playing better at one time or another. As you talked about, both of you actually said, is that when the big men are on the court, they're still having a problem with spreading the floor uh, in terms of understanding the position. So I think a lot of that is just playing together as the unit uh, coming together with after the trade. So I think uh, more games, more practice time is needed uh, for them to really to correlate, if you would, together in terms of what's going on. So I think it just happens to be that way. Communication is a problem. <clears throat> their, their defense, they don't communicate well on defense. Leaving, they were supposed to switch everything on the play that Steve Baker got right open on. They didn't do that. That's an issue. Their defensive breakdowns against the Clippers is a problem. Their offense gets stagnant too much and ball goes down into James Harden. Yo-yo on the ball out high, not passing the ball. Some of the things could be because they haven't played together. Some of the things are just basic basketball fundamentals. Speaking of that, that bothered me. That, that last inch sideline inbound play still haunt me. You see that too often on all levels. Guys not paying attention. Ball comes inbound. One guy breaks, and everybody's standing there and watching. And it's like the light goes off. Oh, he's out there by himself. Then you then you run out. You either run and foul. Guy makes a shot, and they go to the free throw line. Probably get the ball back because you probably do. Your foul is probably intentional. Odd in in the process. Everybody just you know the guys that stay in line just watch. And I thought that to me that was like the worst of the game at that point when I saw that happen because it was no reason for. Pick your fence to get set up on the sideline inbound at a three pound, a uh, 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 three point situation. Guy catches the ball, turns and shoots. Now a defender shows up in the face after the ball is released. And the irony is, at the 10 second mark, the Lakers had the ball and ran some of the worst offense. I don't know what was called. They fumbled the ball, bobbled it around for seven seconds. And they bounced off the Rockets. Got the ball back. Lakers called timeout. I must have been when play. I had my head in my hands. Yeah. <laughs> Set up that play. And then feedback was wide open. They left three. So it was just weird how previous seven seconds, Lakers looked dazed and confused. And all of a sudden, this perfect play, perfect execution, game winning three. See you later. <clears throat> but anyway, stuff happens. Rockets have Toronto Monday. That Philly, surprisingly successful Philly team on Wednesday. After next on Thursday, game on TNT, and then home versus the Nuggets on Saturday, a struggling Nuggets team. Let's see if they can bounce back this week. Gentlemen, going to wrap it up before I cough anymore into the podcast and give listeners concerns about me and my, my sexy voice. Don't worry, don't worry, ladies. I'm okay. I'll, I'll be better next week, I hope. Oh, uh, yes, I'm laughing. But anyway, and you can laugh. That's fine. One person knows I'm talking to. She's listening. She's in Oklahoma City. She'll, she'll text me later. There Are you go. okay? There we go. <laughs> I know she will. Are you okay? Um, how can folks find you on, on the, on the uh, internet? AKSV, I am the fifth ward wildcat. You can find me on Twitter, YouTube, and Blogger. Uh, my updates on the, uh, swag and the Conference USA cha- Women's Soccer Championships this weekend, uh, should be mounted up before the sun goes down today if things go okay. Um, uh, but folks, that's where you can find me at. And as was mentioned earlier by, my compadre in arms, 
uh, uh, Road Dog, KG. Contact anyone. You can contact any one of us at our uh, social media outlets uh, for a, a sponsorship, some uh, advertising, uh, in-kind donations. We're looking for it all. Uh, this is an internet uh, type format, and we love what we do. And this is why we're here. And this is why you listen to us, Doc. Yeah, you can find me on the social media platforms at uh, Twitter, Facebook. And Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Caville. That's D R K E N Y T T A C A V I L. You can email me directly at K Caville. That's K C A V I L at T H G agency dot com. Look at the blog spots for my uh, top 10 polls. Uh, that is football, mid major, and major. We also will do men's and women's basketball, and later in the season, we'll do some baseball as well. So look for those outlets coming up, and that's at onadon.com. It's www.onnidan.com, also at tspnsports.com, as well as the preview that comes out on Thursday on the collegesportingnews.com. That's www.collegesportingnews.com. And I am the sports professor, Dr. Kenyatta Kavir. Thank you, Doc. I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. On Twitter, at T-H-E-H-R Review, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube. want to remind folks, or let folks know in case you don't know, that Monday evening, the defending women's basketball champion, Connecticut Huskies, hosts Stanford on TV. Uh, ESPN 2 is part of the ESPN's tip-off marathon. We've got two women's games part of the marathon. The game, I think, is on ESPN 2. I want to be sure of the time here, but you got two top five teams going head up. Connecticut's going to win. We all know that for a fact. Anyhow, but you got Shanae Ogumake from Houston area, senior year at Stanford, leading the, the Cardinal, going against uh, four All-Americans on ESPN2, tipping at 6 o'clock Houston time, followed by Tennessee Lady Vols at number 12 Carolina. So got two top 12 matchups on ESPN2 Monday evening. Yes, sir, Wildcat. Uh, game track is up. Comes USA. Uh, in the second half, at 71 minute, it is Colorado College 3, North Texas 0, and they scored at the 22 minute, the 10 minute, and the 3 minute at the end of the first the first period. And that is, looks like uh, Colorado College is going to win that Conference USA uh, 2013 Conference Women's Soccer Championship. Cool to them. Or, uh, Wrap it up. Uh, HoustonRoundMyView.com. Have my game story with Kevin McHale. Quotes from him. Patrick Beverly. James Harden. Dwight Howard. And my article. Go to the website. Check it out. Also on the Men's Hoops blog. We enjoy what we do. As Wildcat touched on. If you want to uh, sponsor us, please contact us. I've already found out that I will be approved for the Women's Final Four in Nashville. So that's great. I want to be part of that. Really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. You talked to him this week? No, I didn't. But I received word from that from a third party who talked to him that I would be already. So, right. so yes, good no news problem. already. And, of course, if I'm approved, you're approved as well. So, <laughs> so it's all good. Folks, we, you know I'm laughing at all, but, uh, and we kid about this, but we've been serious about this for a while, a long while. We worked hard and all to get, that, to, get to, that, to, to this point in our careers. Covering college sports. 
Am I correct? You are correct. And, and it is good to know that our hard work is appreciated. So, yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the KG Fifth Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for your insight and knowledge as well. Thank you. Look forward to the next podcast. And as I wrap it up, in conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.